uh, like ships passing each other in the night. Am I right? Yeah, hundred percent, dude. You know, uh, this is the first time that we've been in the same room able to record in about a month now. It's insane how quickly it went too. But also, yeah, it's been a month. Yeah, I missed Funhouse this week, dude. You missed a lot. It was a really unbelievable show. Serious FOMO over here on my end. Let me tell you kind of how it went. Yeah. It was, I got there and it was already packed. And I was like, well, these people don't know that there's a comedy show about to happen. I've got to sort to this do room an, out. an ambush comedy show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I had never seen any of them before. And it was just way too packed. And it was too early for it to be that packed. So I go up and I'm like, we're about to start a stand-up comedy show in about 10 minutes and everyone's like yeah awesome i'm like oh shit you're here for it and then a bunch more people showed up and it was different crowds you know we had a lot of comedians show up to hang out which they do every week but new ones the word's been getting out in the comedy community about it just being a great hangout sure it's a great late night hang especially in the summertime because we've got the backyard exactly so people come hang in the backyard chat it up um, lots of old familiar faces. Trey Gallion showed up. Um, yeah, just some good people. And uh, we had some TikTok celebrities in the audience. There, love a TikTok. I'm so into TikTok right now. So Dude. that's great to hear. Yeah, Saib Singh came through. Shout out Saib. Um, yeah, and then there was different audiences. Right, there was the classic OG guys coming through. F- shout out to Faisal. Uh, he came through and brought. Like 10 or 12 people, and they were all from different countries. Wow, a dirty... Like, not even kidding. Faisal's got a dirty dozen apostles. <laughs> he really does. An international uh, caravan of people who, yeah. he get, who he convinces to come out to comedy shows. Yeah, there was a, um, this uh, Charlotte, who's Dutch. There was people from Iran. There's people from uh, Copenhagen, London. There's a German person. It was like the whole a United Nations, a United Nations. (laughs) Shout outs to Faisal, though, because uh, he is the reason that I have had an opportunity to pet not one, but two Nigerian dwarf goats. Oh, yeah. He had those. Yeah. Yo, this dude, it's insane because he had uh, two baby goats living in a backyard in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And I I walked he would walk them around what the bar easy lover now yes. but he, yes. he would walk them around easy lover and uh these goats from the front they look like they look like their back was so big that you could see it from the front because they were they look like football when you were staring at it, their eyes they look like footballs i was like why are your goats so like bloated in the middle and he's like oh they're not supposed to look like that they just keep eating uh bushes and brambles in the neighborhood and it gives them gas so they, <laughs> they were, were just blown out. They were just blown out with like farts that they'd been keeping in. <laughs> but uh, I'll post a picture of uh, me petting these goats. They were dope. Yeah, amazing. I remember that. They, so they inevitably wound up upset because he couldn't maintain yeah, man. them as they grew. But Because de Blasio would have sent uh, animal control or something. Sadly. You can't have uh, Nigerian dwarf goats in the city. You can't? I think, they're, I think it's illegal. Uh, I think he was doing that off the books. Oh, yeah. I don't think he was telling anyone, like, yeah, I got some goats over here. <laughs> but, yeah, so they went upset, but he's back in town. It was great to have him. And then there were these, um, it was just a group of sex-positive um, uh, females that came through. And there was a moment where somehow uh, the concept of a glory hole was brought up on stage. I, I wonder who who brought that up. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> so well, someone joked about it, and I went up to bring up the next comic, and I was like, glory holes, huh? And uh, this woman was like, yeah, I visited one in, in uh, Burning Man, and I said, what do you mean by visit? And she was <laughs> like, I sucked a random dude's dick through a glory hole, and I was like, wow, this is the one time I choose to do crowd work and this is just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's amazing. I hope, uh, Yoni recorded that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was unbelievable. Um, and well, yeah, we all hung out after everyone was there really late. Yeah. So you missed a good one, but 
this week's is going to be amazing. We have an amazing lineup. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So if you want to come out this week, uh, anybody out there, I think we've got uh, Brittany Carney on the show, Jake yep. Flores, uh, Kyle Gordon. That's right. And uh, a variety. Oh, Boris Hyken's going to be there. Boris, yeah. New dad. New dad Boris. Because yep. he, we had him booked a couple weeks ago uh, on the night that he was scheduled to... Uh, to give not for him to give birth but his wife to give birth <laughs> no but this it was is like a couple th- weeks after that she was supposed to oh, okay but she wound up giving birth early oh great great yeah, great yeah, the kid came like two weeks early because this is like some psycho comedy stuff where like we would we would ask to get booked on a show the night that um our wives or partners are going to give birth and like cross our fingers and hope that it didn't happen that day yeah <laughs> like oh you know what you just went into labor huh okay well, I have a few hours, don't I? Because it doesn't just happen that quickly. I'm just going to go pop out and do a spot real quick. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, everybody, come to Pete's. We do the show every uh, every Wednesday. It's always at 10 p.m. And it's always a no a cover. Yep. So It's hard to believe, too, because it's an amazing show. Yeah. To justify, I have to justify why it's free at times. People ask me. They go like, hey, why is this show free? It's so great. And I'm like... Uh, it's just how it is. That's how the bar is. That's how our show is. But it's amazing talent. I think it democratizes and uh, and opens it up to people to come and discover. You know, the the show I think also f- uh, is the soil from which greater uh, fruits uh, are born. Oh hell yeah! Right. So from that, uh, why why pollute the why kill the goose? Yep. For uh. You know, instead of just letting it continue to squirt out golden eggs. Exactly. Also, you know, when people pay for a ticket and and like if you don't show, I don't want to deal with any customers that feel entitled to my time uh, because they bought a ticket and right. and then are like, where where should I sit? Uh, you guys didn't save me a seat. Absolutely not. We didn't save you a seat. Like it's first come, first serve. If you show up, you show up and you get the best seat in the house if you're there early. Oh, this one thing did happen, by the way, this week that I did want to acknowledge. So me and Gabe are magnets for Punishers. And uh, I think we might have talked about this on the podcast before. But if there's somebody who is... We have what Norlex Belma would call talk to me face. Yeah, yeah, talk to me face. It's literally it, though. Yes. And uh, so along with all the good stuff about Funhouse comes uh, (laughs) a little bit of an annoyance, which is... What Gabe said, we have talked to me face. So if there is a weirdo who's lonely and a maniac anywhere in the vicinity, they have this obsession with talking to me and Gabe. And it's at the worst times. It's right when we're about to start the show or right when we get there and we're starting to set up or in between comics in the hallway, they're loudly screaming questions. And (laughs) so we had this one Punisher come through to the show about a month ago. And boy, did she do a number on the crowd. Like, we had an amazing crowd, full audience. And one by one, she was walking people about sitting next to them and talking to them. During the show. During the show. She used to be an open mic. I met this person as an open mic comedian like 10 years ago. And uh, so she, I assumed, would understand the mechanics of stand-up. And then we go up on stage to start talking, and she uh, proceeds to start heckling us. Oh, yeah. These are the lunatics that think they're helping the show by talking to us. Oh, yeah. No. No, don't ever do it. It's the worst, though, because it's also like, hey, I got this. Doing pretty well, so please don't (laughs) do that. And then, you know, you're just like, you're not helping me. You're ruining the mood. Um, So anyways, this Punisher came through about a month ago, was walking all these people, just terrible. The end of the show, she's like, I'm just heckling you guys. I'm like, you fucking know what you're doing? (laughs) This is insane. And so... I haven't seen her since I at the show and I see her in the audience and I just look up and I go, don't you fucking heckle tonight. And then she is like, Oof, did I heckle before? And I'm like, what? And then she leaves and literally does not come back in the room the whole show. However, at the end of the show, when everyone's hanging out outside, Mm-hmm. Yoni's like, wow, I saw what you did there at the heckler. You just got her out of there before she even started up. That was amazing. Preemptive, like yeah. a precog. And I look up. You're like the Tom Cruise of uh, of hecklers now. <laughs> yeah, well, then I look up and she's standing right there, yeah. like five feet away from me. So she didn't really leave. She just disappeared in a weird way. Yeah, dude. 
These but, these weirdos are like Colin Robinson from uh, uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Yes, they are. The energy vampire. Yeah, man. Big time. If you are in the woods walking around in a, and you come across a black bear, like a black bear in the woods, and you're not between it and its cub, you might have a chance of surviving. All you have to do is make yourself look as big as possible. So stand your ground and look big. And that black bear will hopefully scurry away and not maul you. But if it's a grizzly, well, it's probably a wrap. But if you play dead, maybe that will work. Show absolutely no confrontation with a grizzly. Just curl up in a ball and hope that it thinks that you're rotting flesh. Dude, I got to say, I was at um, Yellowstone. Yeah. And the first thing they do is when you get to the park is they have this whole conversation where they're telling people not to feed the bears. And uh, they are talking about how bears are dangerous. And during that time, we had just entered the park and driven to that lecture that they were giving us. Yeah. So I saw a bunch of park rangers by the visible bears that were on the roadside or near in the vicinity. Yeah. So you'll see like a park ranger and you know, well, they're here because there's a bear nearby because yeah. most of them are tagged. The grizzlies. Yeah. So, um, the likelihood of a bear getting within. That's like, so smart, man. We should tag all of the grizzlies. I mean, and GPS that. Park, at least. I, and then there should be an app. Well, then people would go. Like, it's like a radar. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh shit! All of a sudden, it's just going off. It's like there's a grizzly bear five feet behind you, <laughs> right? Like in aliens. It's like <laughs> it's like ten meters, man. Five <laughs> meters, man. <coughs> it's right on top of us, man. I'm reading it right. I'm reading it right. And then out comes a grizzly bear and disembowels you from. Dude, below. they said if you feed a bear there, I was like, well, what are the consequences? Yeah, you have to marry it if you feed it. So it's close. Yeah. They destroy it. They kill it. They, if you if wow. it eats your snacks, then it's a wrap for the bear. That's right. That's right. Because um, then they're trained forever. Yeah, then they're like, oh, cool. I'll start tearing up snacks, you know? Same thing if a bear eats you. They got to kill it because now it's got a taste. For humans. For that sweet, sweet, fat, sal barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen Grizzly Man? Uh, I did see Grizzly Man. That's Such a great, a the, I feel like the moral of that movie is like bears hate gentrification. <laughs> like, don't go and hang out with these grizzlies. Bears hate lonely punishers. Yeah, that guy was literally a punisher. That, he, in fact, you're absolutely right. That is the, the personality profile of a punisher. Yes. And he went and punished these bears, and they were much less polite than us. <laughs> They fucking ripped him limb from limb. <laughs> Dude, that reminds me of the time I got mugged. So uh, I got when I got mugged, I got uh, hit in the head by these little kids. There were like four little kids, and they showed up. In, uh, it was in Williamsburg. I was wearing a, a three-piece suit, and I was on the phone with my friend Jason. Shout-outs to Jason Quarles. And we're, he's on the phone with me, and it's like a Saturday. So I'm going to go. I'm supposed to host a show later that night. And we're on the phone. It's like 4 p.m. The sun is out. It's summertime. These four kids uh, are in front of me, in front of this construction site and all the scaffolding. And they're like, hey, man, um, they surround me. But like I'm on the phone. I've got rose tinted glasses on looking at them because I teach. I used to teach kids in the city. So I'm like, they look like my students. Uh, and they're like, hey, man, we need to see your phone. And I was like, that's what I heard it was like, oh, we need to borrow a phone to like call our parents or something. But really what they were saying was like, we give, give us your phone. And they all had pipes in their hands. So Jason is on the other line with me. He's on the phone with me. So what he heard must have sounded insane <laughs> because what happened was I said, Hey, uh, no. And I ran through the kids and then they hit me in the head as I was running. And what Jason must have heard was like, Hey man, you know what? Uh, you miss, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So yeah, I did extra work today. It was great, man. The sun's out. Hey dude, you should come by the show later. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on. What's up, little man? What's up? <laughs> what? My phone? What? No. What the? What the fuck? What? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> With like the phone shaking against my pant leg. <laughs> It must have sounded like a 9-11 recording. Yeah. Like someone running away from the towers crashing. Yes. And so he 
is clearly like, what? Gabe? 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 Hello? Are you there? Oh, God. He's just hearing me like breathe uh, loud and like have a panic attack. And then uh, then the last thing he hears is like, you know, I need to call an ambulance. And then click. And then like when I came, you know, uh, an ambulance came and took me to the hospital. But when I finally got a chance to look at my phone again, I saw like 15 missed calls yeah, from like, him. I'm dead. <laughs> he thought you were dead. Yeah. And the next call was like, can you host uh, the show tonight? Click. Get Lucky was the name of the show. But uh, I had him host that night. Oh, no way. Because I'm a consummate comedian. And there's the thing. A comedian will do a show or uh, commit himself to a show, even if his wife is supposed to go and labor that day. Yeah. Or if he's just been mugged and at the hospital, he'll make sure that that show is covered. Yeah. You won't be like, no, no uh, show. Yeah. yeah. We, well, the grind mindset is strong. I just still, <laughs> the story still to this day boggles my mind because it's like such a fucking psychotic story. Yeah. But they never got your phone. So they just like That's right. racked I'm, up an assault. I'm a champion. I got that Blackberry Pearl still. <laughs> Covered in blood. In Get a, a frame in that a, shit. Yeah, in a drawer with all the other like uh, obsolete electronics. Everybody's got that drawer in their house of oh, obsolete yeah. electronics. Yeah. And chargers and cords that don't go to anything that you still own. You sl- it's like at some point you have to wipe them and chuck them. But like, <coughs> I was justified by saying like, I'm going to use this in a short film period piece that I write or something. Yeah. Once there is uh, like a solar flare and all of the technology that we've been using gets fried, we're going to have to go back and recreate society with like a mishmash of cyberpunk uh, cords. <laughs> and old electronics. Yeah. Like beepers and shit. That's, <laughs> see, that's another amazing idea. That's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> we go back like to that EMP? beeper life- lifestyle. Yeah. Just like urinate, <laughs> urine-soaked payphones are our only means of communication in the future. Dude, I used to um, make this payphone my office before cell phones, and I would just sit at this one payphone with like a roll of quarters, and I call. I would call like ten people and leave a message and tell them uh, what the number was of the payphone, and then pull out a lawn chair and sit there and wait for people to call. And I was like, I'll be here from four to six office hours. And then I'd pull out like a Grisham novel and just sit in my lawn chair reading like an air- airport book. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Something light and like. Not and then people not... would call the phone? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, dude. There was like one or two, there was like a one to four year window where you could do this. Yeah, I mean, this is how people fucking used to do crime too. Yeah. Right? They'd yeah. go to a payphone and they'd be like, call me back at this number. Yeah, Goodfellas style. Yeah. And then they like call you back and then you like flip out about whatever. Yeah. You but you wouldn't even talk on the phone. You'd have like Polly Jr. talk on the phone. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Cause you wouldn't because Polly wouldn't want to have his voice heard on tape. Right. R.I.P. Polly. Yeah. That's Mr. Walnuts. R.I.P. Yeah. to Polly Walnuts. Yeah. Last so, week. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. They're dropping like flies. Him, James Kahn. And uh, Ray Liotta. Yeah, mob movie dogs are out. They went to the big pizza pie in the sky. Well, you know what's going to be really sad is when all the Apatow boys all die in succession. Jesus. Well, that's That'll around be- the time I'll be dying, too. <laughs> <laughs> They're my age, I feel like. I can't I can't stop uh, my, mor- my morbid uh, ideations. Yeah. You never know. I mean, the way people die younger and younger now. It could be any day now. Sure, it could be anything that gets you. COVID, monkeypox, yep. uh, bicycle delivery guy on the sidewalk. You can get fucked up one way or another. Sure. You um, fall through like a hole in the street. That's got to be the worst. It's horrible. Go down into a basement of a bodega, break your neck. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, okay, hold on. This whole conversation started off with you talking about the bear thing. Yeah. And I remember seeing last week that you were away in bear land. Bear oh, territory. dude, I went to I went to Wyoming last week. It was awesome. I and caught, there's a shit ton of bears there, isn't there? Grizzlies. Uh, yeah, you got to wear a bear mace. When you get out, the airport, out of the airport in Jackson Hole, uh, you can rent bear mace there. It's a tiny airport. It's like one little, uh, the length of one strip mall. Yep. You know, and uh, so it's really easy to... Uh, to get out of there, to get in, uh, but bear mace. So you want to rent it and then return it because it's kind of expensive. But uh, there's a 
20 second squirt of uh like very concentrated mace yeah and uh what i heard from a uh from the head of the parks at the grand teton national park was that you want to count to five when you squirt so that uh you will have some left over for a second blast if the bear still hungry to eat you because <laughs> like when shock kicks in if you don't count you're you're likely to use it all up in like one squirt yeah and then that's it it's a wrap and then the bear if you like, miss the bear is like, <laughs> yeah, they're just like nice try fool yeah like, fuck or like you might be pointing it in the wrong direction like you pointed it at yourself that'd be horrible yeah you blind yourself and just make yourself a writhing, <laughs> like a flopping fish. Yeah, now you're just seasoned. Yeah. Now you're just like uh, a spicy jerk chicken for that bear. <laughs> so what was your favorite thing out there? And did you see any bears? I didn't see any bears. I saw antelope, which are the fastest uh, North American animals because they don't have any natural predators anymore. They they used there used to be like saber tooth tigers and stuff like the equivalent of cheetahs living on the in North America, but they all got like killed probably by the indigenous peoples that were here in the first uh, migration across the Bering Strait. Mm-hmm. So the antelope are still left, but they have no natural predators, so they're super fast for no reason. Wow! And then um, I saw them. I saw uh, buffalo which are uh, probably kill more people than um than the uh, grizzly bears or or bear, black bears cuz they're buffalo are kind of like land hippos. Yeah, they're huge. Yeah, they're they're peaceful. They're like less ornery than a hippo, but uh people because they're peaceful and they're more like cows, uh people will fuck with them more. Like they'll walk into the field where they're at and like throw things at them and like wave at them and stuff and you know, but they're they'll they will flatten like a Tahoe or a Yukon like lickety split. Yeah. So uh, it's very Jurassic Park when you see one really close to you. You know, like when you're in Jurassic Park when the T Rex puts its head. In its <laughs> yeah, eye they're or, fucking huge. Yeah, when its head is next to your car, um, you start praying. Yeah. So I literally the way this happened was I was in Amherst, Mass. I was driving my car. And I, off in the distance, I see what looks like a giant, like a like a small car, yeah. but it's like completely like brownish, blackish, and it's just like moving oddly. And then as I get closer, I realize that's not a car, that's a fucking animal. And I keep driving, and then this buffalo is running like thirty miles an hour on Route Nine in Amherst wildly like it's just running and it has these curls of like hair that are just bouncing as it (laughs) runs yeah and it was flying flying and i just had no idea how the fuck this could be happening there's no one in sight or anything and it turns out it broke out from the bison farm and uh in the area and it just went for a fucking few miles of a run before they tracked it down. Yeah. It like uh, gained enough self-awareness to be like the soil and green is made out of us. Yeah. Like <laughs> they're going to turn me into a hamburger. I'm out of here. Yeah. And it was bound. It bounced. Yeah. That's fantastic. I uh, went fly fishing as well, which is um, probably the most frustrating and boring sport. Uh, when I understand that when I try to sell it to other people, I love fly fishing, but it is, if someone says, Hey man, can you teach me? I'm like, absolutely not. Like it will drive you to kill yourself. The frustration of like trying to, you know, uh, tie a, tie a leader to a fly and just like, cause you will, um, lose your line and your hook in the brambles like every time when you're starting. But I was fortunate that I had a grandpa that taught me when I was like four years old. So I've got this. I'm, you have it down. I have it, and I'm still not great at it, but I but I understand how much frustration there will be. And so it really is like, it's almost like going to a silent retreat, like that that level of like, oh, man. And here's mad zen. Yeah, yeah. You get real zen doing it. Um, but I caught three fish. And uh, and now I've finally got one of those, like the one that got away story. Because this, I, dude. I, I, uh, this, this, this fish, it was a rainbow trout mm-hmm. or a cutthroat trout. And it, it, uh, it was at least my, it, it, it had the same shoe size as me. I mean, this was like, 
this thing looked like a linebacker and like it almost broke my pole like pulling it out and i pulled it out of the water and i got it on land and it was like flopping around like two feet from the water so i was like okay it's gonna get tired it's gonna drown in the air it can't breathe and it's it's like gills are flapping and like clapping like it's making noise like that's how big the gills were and then this thing spit the hook out of its mouth like sunflower seeds like you know and like a yeah. shell just spit it out into the into the brambles where i lost my hook forever and i look up at that and then i look back and the thing is like walking back into the water like a reverse evolution thing oh my god <laughs> and then it gets to the water and just like gives me the finger and swims off and uh i've never i can't i don't know how it did that because usually when i hook a fish i've got to like forcibly remove traumatically hook. remove the hook yeah but, i mean it just like took its tongue and like <laughs> <laughs> this is insane i have friends who mouth. are yeah. obsessed with fly fishing one of them goes out at 4 a.m like on a monday night in jersey and fishes oh He's cool insane but um he goes to wyoming and all those spots and goes to these rivers every year, a couple times a year, and goes fishing there. And uh, that's exactly it. I ask him, hey, uh, could you teach me? He's like, hell no. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't yeah. want to help anybody. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, I, I carried like an Orvis uh, rod with me in a case, like how uh, pool player, pool sharks <laughs> yeah, yeah. have their little cases. And I carried it on the airplane with me. And I saw another guy with a case. And he's like, you fishing? And I'm like, yeah. You going to Wyoming? Yeah, and and he and we don't ask each other like where do you fish, because that's like it's like asking like who books that right in comedy. It's like I'm not gonna. Why would I tell you my spot? Because right. I don't want it polluted with like another asshole. Yeah, that's my spot. And they're friends. <laughs> yeah, because they'll tell. No one will ever keep a secret. Exactly. Yeah. If so I just don't tell people shit. You just can't tell people shit. Yeah. This is the only time I'll say that. I know. In, I know. In I every know. other part of your life, you should tell people uh, your dreams and aspirations to have those things manifested and have and other people. Validate, and like people help you. Yeah. But, but in this case, it would fuck a spot up. Yeah. When it comes to fishing, I'm not going to tell you like where I where I eat because I don't want you there like trying, you know. Exactly. Just bumming the spot out and like OD fishing there and then like leaving. Sure. And scaring all the fish away. Because like I already like that one fish survived an encounter with me, the really big one. Yeah. So now he's back in the water smarter than he was before. It's and your white whale, well, bro. He's going to have little baby fish with his smart brains and those little baby fish are going to adapt to like evade my hooks. Yeah. So, and he's going to tell all of his fish friends like about me. So that's already ruined the spot. It's made the spot harder for me. So let's say some like less experienced fisherman comes along, fucks it up, and like loses a bunch of other fish in that spot. That's it. Those are gonna be like, dude, in four Mental or five fish. years, yeah, those fish are gonna be taking like LSATs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have a little cutthroat trout you're taking on the it with bifocals on every time you catch one. <laughs> yeah, you're like what? Yo, all those fish are reading ten thousand hours in the water. Yeah, <laughs> they've all got grind set. What's your? Tell me this though. What's your favorite thing about Wyoming? Like, if is it the fishing? Is it like, where's your favorite spot? I think the best thing about Wyoming is, um, well, I'm on the western side of the state, so it's like less ranches and it's all uh, I'm in the mountains, right by the national parks. But I think the best thing about it for me is, uh, you know, I like getting massages in New York, or like I get I get stressed out, I get tense, and I can say like I came back from there after a week, and uh, even though the altitude was higher and it was like uh it's much more taxing on your body like i was working out a lot everything was hard but i came back feeling totally relaxed and the best thing about being out there is you really do see a connection with uh the natural world like i think now about all these jokes i have about animals and how much i like animal instagram and it's like i think that i got that from spending time out there because if you just stand by yourself in any one spot out there for like 10 minutes, uh, nature reveals itself to you. Like I saw like a, I just stood out there quietly, not with a friend. You can't, it's not, you're not out there smoking weed. You can do that too. You're not out there drinking. You're not out there like talking to anybody, but if you just stand in one spot, Zen, you'll see like a mother deer will walk by with like two baby deer. That's and so then dope. like a fox will run by you with a gopher in its mouth and the gopher will look up at you and like wave. And then the fox will continue darting off to eat it. 
or like an e- you'll just see an eagle or an osprey like hover over your head like a little harrier jet and then dive into the river and like grab a fish it's amazing but you can't tell people like oh hey man trust me come do that like wait and watch with me because it it it's almost it's like you can't replicate that moment yeah you just have to be there and shut the fuck up and it will happen yeah it's amazing yeah yeah, I really liked it. I went, I went horseback riding in Jackson Hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we the, went up. I'm um, deathly allergic to horses, so shit, this yeah. is like the one one thing I missed out. Uh, on. I feel like I was like a lot lighter at the time, so otherwise, yeah, I'd you would be have needed like, for the horse right now. <laughs> what, whatever the horses that were bred to like carry uh, knights from the last duel, <laughs> yeah. or like the green knight horse. They're like, you need a Clydesdale. <laughs> You're a fucking huge dude. But yeah. um, we got the we got the Game of Thrones stable over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, we took we took a whole horse riding tour up in Jackson Hole through like these different properties essentially like yeah uh, on the line of the properties they allow this horseback riding. and yeah. yeah they're like 25 million dollar homes there in the hills yeah man it's mental but um it was a trip it was just so beautiful and such an amazing place and the grand tetons and all those different named by uh the grand tetons was named by a horny beaver trapping frenchman Really? Yeah, because that because I was uh, talking to Liliana, my uh, my Spanish tutor today, uh, and she's like, I was wearing a Grand Teton shirt, and she's like, you know what that means? And uh, it's just titties. Really? Yeah. Oh, so man, these horny amazing. French because de- people see it and they're like, the Grand Tetons. What is that like an indigenous name? Is that like a Shoshone native name for the for the mountains? And it's like, nah, man. These French dudes just saw these peaks and were like, uh, Tetons. Yeah, they're like huge tits. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the place rules. Check out them tig bitties. It's amazing. It's like uh, white people Mount Fuji style, (laughs) right? Because you can just see them from afar, and they're amazing and just so beautiful. Yeah. Um. And uh, Jackson's uh, it's uh, you brought up, you know, there's a massive wealth inequality there. There's uh, the uh, I think it was like the movie Wind River, and in it, one of the characters says, you know, the uh, the billionaires are replacing the millionaires. They're kicking them out. So it is because the landscape is so nice, and as things become um, worse and worse everywhere, wealthy people are going to be, that don't really care about climate change, are trying to gobble up the pristine lands to stay in. Kind of like Zuckerberg in uh, Hawaii. Yeah. You know, billionaires are gobbling up all the land in uh, the Jackson area around the Grand Tetons. To, like, stay there. Yeah. Uh, And because climate change, if it happens, (laughs) it's not going to be a boiling hot where the Grand Tetons are. Sure, sure. And there's still beavers there, so the landscape is moist, son. Oh, I saw your reporting from there. Yeah. From Beaver Alley. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, beavers, you know, <laughs> making these dams, like all yeah. these fish and all this stuff. It's something to be around when you're usually in New York. It's funny, what you said about nature happening, it reminds me of, I was at my in-law's place in Pennsylvania, and they're in rural-ish Pennsylvania, and you just sit there in the backyard and they have all these bird feeders. So they, I'll just see a Cardinal, a Blue Jay, like all the MLB mascots there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then hummingbirds everywhere. And then a bunch of deer. Like we're just there with the kids in the backyard and a couple of deer were off in the back left just wandering through. Um, but they also have a bear problem. And there was just they put, you know, um, motion controlled cameras on the back porch. And there was just huge bears rolling into their back porch like yeah. at one point. And so I'm always paranoid, like, oh, shit, is a bear coming around here? Because they were huge, like 500-pound bears. Yeah, and um, they're, like, acclimated to human garbage because they they live off of, uh, like, leftover Geno's pizza rolls that get thrown in the trash, <laughs> yeah. hot pockets. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, massive raccoons, basically. <laughs> yeah, so... So it's interesting, like, to go there and see that, and it's not that far away, right? I mean, it is actually kind of, but that being said, Wyoming, a place to be, man. I love it. Montana, Wyoming, that whole area. Oh, yeah. Just, like, unbelievable beauty. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate that, uh, they, you know, they vote uh, Republican almost all the time, and it's, um, it is partially uh, gerrymandering, but then it's also 
that uh, th- those are huge company towns with like the mining. So I was thinking about this because of the nightmare that I believe our country is heading to. In the past, in the 1900s, uh, you would have like the mine owned the whole town. Right. So the mine owned all the houses that people lived in. Um, it owned the, the general store. So you would get paid in script, right? You would get paid by like, um, let's like, my, like uh, whatever, coal mining ink would give you basically uh, only Monopoly money that you could use at their store. Yeah. yeah. And so I we, owe my soul to the company. Sorry, that song is about this. Yeah. Yeah. And we fought, you know, the unions fought against that. And uh, we have fought to transform people's mindset to like not uh, be beholden in a futile way to companies. And as the uh, social fabric of our country erodes and we have less social services, the more these corporations are acting, the more like we're brainwashed to love our bosses. And we brought this up on other episodes, but like we are becoming company men again, where we're like fucking crying if we can't get a job at Vice. Or like we're like Disney, we want to get Disney tattoos on our bodies. And this is exactly what these companies want is to take us back to a feudal time where we are all buying from the company store and we are only able to get abortions if we work at certain companies. Like the very this goodwill bullshit on Instagram where uh, Starbucks says things like, hey, we'll help our employees go to another state to get abortions if Roe v. Wade yeah, gets overturned. Yeah, this is happening, yeah. This is happening in across the board, yeah, in a lot of different industries. And it's like instead of the those companies contributing to the political campaigns of people who are making it a universal right, they are saying if you come into into the comfort of, of our, our little velvet cage, yeah, then you will be able to have these rights. Right, because what you bring up is an amazing point. A lot of these companies are being called out for uh, pandering because of what you just said. So there's a website, and it fucking kills me right now that I don't know the name, but I'll look it up and post it on our Twitter. But you can look at a company's ethics and look at what a company actually does and how they vote. Um, it's a lefty website, so it's problematic to me because like it's a little bit like pink pussy hat lefty. Like, oh, so wow. it's like uh, it's like progress. It's like libs. Yeah, it's libs, but like, um, but it's still. It's something interesting, right? Yeah. Because what they do is they look at the donations and the percentage of their donations that go to which side of the aisle. And you know these companies fucking are putting it up, like putting money in both places so that no one can ever go like, you fucking donated to this. Oh, well, we also donated to this, right? So you make it meaningful and meaningless. You make it meaningful to the candidate you gave fucking grease money to but you make it meaningless to the general public who can call you out at any time on where you put your money. We create a problem and then we, they, well, they create the problem by voting for policies with their money. And then they benefit from the solution that they create. Yes. Yeah. And so the dream of all of these companies is I'd say within 20 years for you to live in a uh, Amazon gated community. If you're an Amazon employee Right. And you have an Amazon gift card that you can use at the Amazon store. Right. And, and it'll slowly migrate to that, right? Because what well, health insurance is a fucking about being part of the machine. Yeah. Like if you don't aren't, then you get doo-doo health insurance. And then because of like Obamacare, you pay six hundred dollars a month and it's like having catastrophe insurance for a car. Yeah. Like man. it's literally you're fucked if you get sick, but it, it'll prevent you from owing your fucking whole body to science if like you uh you know or get a terminal illness or something but dude one thing about what you're saying that's really stark is exactly that they are offering things to women via women's health um that give them an edge up in the recruitment economy right and also like hey we're signaling that we're politically progressive of an organization right but google is really about who is in power Mm -hmm. in the white house because tech has a fear of a crackdown from politicians right and so they're hanging the balance of like trying to serve the political party that's in power who has the ability to fuck around with them and like take them down. Um, another thing I will say before I forget women 
who work at certain companies, they pay for you to get your eggs frozen. And I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, because mathematically speaking, they want you to postpone that. They want you to freeze damn eggs. They don't want to pay for your maternity leave right now. They don't want to fucking pay for you to be out of office right now. In fact, it's a logistical nightmare for them to cover for you during your maternity leave. Um, they're worried about you even getting pregnant yeah, and, and having to go to doctor's appointments. So why not pay to postpone you even having kids and and just keep pumping you full of fucking Sheryl Sandberg lean-in bullshit? And keep giving you promotions. Yeah, and, and what just, have you, but keep you part of the machine. Right? Yes. And um, and then there's like places like Nike. Like I got a job and uh, offer from them once, and I will say it was a fucking insane offer. And I mean, it's one of the weirdest times of my life where I turned it down because I would have had to leave town for yeah. two thirds of the year, and they would have paid for that and everything. But they seemed like they incentivized people to have families, and I wondered why. And I thought in my head, why do they do this? And it's because when you have a family. You are not leaving your place of work. You are getting as fucking comfortable as possible. You are not taking big risks. You are all about providing for and feeding that family and taking care of their health insurance, et cetera. So it's going to make you a lot harder to poach than somebody who's a freewheeler. You know, like yeah. if you're like, uh, here's the deal. I'm Polly and, <laughs> and I have no kids and I have just fucking nothing but time. Uh, and and nothing to lose and nothing to lose so fucking try to brainwash me it's like they can't you're fucking the worst person to try and retain because they can't compete with your opportunities and your mobility i mean this makes me think about a bunch of things but one of them is the movie thief (laughs) Mm. which uh james con r.i.p that's one of my favorite movies but in it he starts the film with nothing right like no house no family. These are things he wants. He made a little vision board for himself. That's tight. And uh, then he, but he loves working alone. And working alone, he keeps 100% of his profit. He uh, covers all of his own risks. He hires his own employees in his criminal enterprise. And then he uh, comes across a uh, the organized crime guys, the godfather dudes, like kind of see what he's doing and they want a piece of it. And they offer him security, right? Like, we'll take care of you if you uh, get caught. We'll make sure you get out on bail. We'll give you a good lawyer. Like, insurance, basically. And they help him with his family, with a house. But the problem is, is, like, once the company offers you these things, you're beholden to them. Right. So it becomes a prison. And so the film is about that tension of, like, what do you want as an individual and what are you willing to compromise to get all these things that you think you want? Because all of those things then become liabilities or leverage points later for the company to exploit you. Thief, I've never seen it. I can't believe I haven't. Because I love James Conn. And James Conn says it was his favorite movie to make. Amazing. So that was his best role is uh, James Conn in Thief. The other thing I was thinking about was I started watching the Resident Evil um, on Netflix. And yeah. again, I w- I've only watched the first two episodes. So I'm not going to ruin anything, but one thing that I think about is how closely we are to uh, the uh, Umbrella Corporation. So if you've watched any of the movies, the Umbrella Corporation is like this uh, international uh, pharmaceutical and weapon company. Sure. That uh, that it's a it's a it's a globalist company. Like Vought International. It's Vought International from the boys. Right. And uh, we start the show within the first like ten minutes. Um, our protagonist moves to a uh, uh, gated community in South Africa, and they have communities all over the place. So, like one of them's in Tijuana, uh, which you know I think makes sense that it is on the border of the United States. So it is right next to U.S. sovereignty, so, uh, like it, uh, yeah, the U.S. laws. But because it's right on the other side of the border, U.S. laws don't apply. And then for this for this hub to be in South Africa. It is baked in that it's already uh, in a, a, like the inequality is already baked in because South Africa is an apartheid state or former apartheid state. Right. So it's a gated community that is a company town run by Umbrella. And our friend who we're watching in this, the protagonist is a VIP for Umbrella, 
and he is immediately given like a nice fully automated house there and the school that their kids go to which seems like a brilliant charter school is a is a umbrella campus right so everything is like it's like that james bond movie where the fucking dude has them like move and they're all working at that company and then like he opens the door and behind it it's just like dudes firing machine guns off and shit you know what I'm talking? uh well, I don't, sorry I don't it's a hybrid one. james bond uh and simpsons thing oh it's the simpsons uh with scorpio i think is his name yeah and fucking they like move to the town yeah and yeah Right. Uh, that was the next thing I was going to bring up. It is like The Simpsons. So this is the reality of the company town. And as uh, the last, the people who buy into this the most are the creative class, um, who are still work. The, the professional managerial class is still laborers. They just labor with their brains, their dreams, and uh, their imagination, right? Or their technical skills. Professional managerial class doesn't feel a connection to the labor force that works with their hands because they went to school and there's a sense of superiority you get culturally for being, for using your noodles. The creative class is equally exploited. It's just that their campuses have more bells and whistles because they need you to dream on the campus. They need you to use your brain to continue to oppress other people, to exploit, to extract value. I'm on episode two. When we're done recording, I'm going to watch episode three. So I'll tell you this. I you just brought up like an amazing thing that that kind of happened recently. So we went to Jamaica, right? That's another explanation for our one month of goddamn, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, Jamaica. Being two ships in the night. We went to Jamaica, and which I will is where tell you, James Bond's creator lived. Really? Yes, that's yeah. where the author of the James Bond's books is from Jamaica. Oh, what was the author's name? James Bond. Well, I would have said it if I remembered. Ian Fleming. There you go. So we're in Jamaica. We go there. I got to tell you, listen, like the internet tells you where to go and like tips and all this shit and research, but you don't really get a sense of what's going on in the current and you f sometimes can forget we're still in a pandemic. We It never really ended. This is like our Vietnam yeah. slash pandemic kind of thing where it's like um, we never won Vietnam as the United States. We never won the Korean War. Yeah, none of it. And it just kept going. And then it was like, all right, we're out, you know? Yeah. And the devastation was still there, and there nothing good came of it. And it's just like this fucking pandemic, you know, where I forgot, really. I was like, all right, I think it's over-ish. And meanwhile, there is a resurgence in goddamn COVID. Yeah. In the city. Like, one of three people I talked to either had it currently or had just had it which is mind-boggling to me because no one reports this shit anymore it's like we live with this it's not Dude, half so the of my numbers are completely cooked like it's like you just have to look around you to understand that this shit is raging instead of getting some news article that's like Dude, cases are up half of my family is uh covid positive right now and i took tests and i also am uh like just had it yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm fine but um when we were, I was driving around Jackson and um, looking at the different, like just walking around the inside of the uh, pharmacies and the entire like cold medication aisles. It was are out. Out. Yes. This fucking just happened to me recently. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And I never even fucking, I wasn't putting two and two together. And guess what? Like United Airlines, masks are optional. Uh, me and like six old people were wearing we're masks. wearing masks, yeah, and and uh, just some of the um flight attendants, on not even not all really of did, them. On every flight I've been on since, masks were optional. No one wore them. There was just like nobody. And Amanda, of course, is making me wear them, which I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah, but I also have a hard time believing that no one wearing a mask in this plane is gonna make it matter that I'm wearing a fucking mask right now. But Dude, I was with a there was a religious youth group on my plane flight uh to uh go to Denver my on the first stop. It was like eighty kids, all teenagers, no not a single mask on any of them or their counselors. Yeah. Then a guy of the same faith was seated next to me and he's wearing a mask, like a seventy year old man. And I'm like bug eyes, we're like looking at each other with bug eyes and he's like uh and I'm like, no mask, right? And he's like, I know, no mask. What's the deal? And then uh, and then one of the nice young ladies from this religious youth group walks up to him 
and and she's like, I think that's my seat. And he goes, Yeah, okay, miss. Uh, so uh, the masks. Uh, are there any masks you guys wearing them? And the girl snaps at him and goes, The government says we don't need to wear masks anymore. Uh. <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, Yo, I get okay. Like, I guess your religious youth group isn't teaching you to respect your elders or care about a community outside of yourself. <laughs> yeah, literally. What the fuck? <laughs> so, dude, it's crazy. Anyway, like, fuck religions. It's so wild. So we go to Jamaica, and this is what I I can tell you. I had all these like expectations, and just like uh, the internet is in reality, I was met with that. Right, we get yeah. there. Uh, we had heard horrible things about the airport in Jamaica, where people are saying it takes you three and a half hours to five hours to get out of there. Yeah, and it's a huge mess and stuff. And I think it caught up to them because when we got there, we were expecting the worst. And we were ushered through very quickly. Mm-hmm. And they noticed our trepidation. Like, I kept asking the people on the plane. I was like, realistically speaking, what are we in for when we hit the airport? And um, everything went smoothly, right? So I was like, wow, this is a great omen for our trip. Then we take a two-hour trip from the airport to Negril. And that whole two hours, you sort of see, like, the countryside as you go up to Negril. And... um I talked to the driver the whole time with Amanda and he told us some really sad shit, man. COVID really destroyed that place. Um, People, because they relied on tourism so much, um, Jamaica shut the whole island off, right? So it was completely uh, shut off. And there was also curfews locally. So even business locally, like every night in Jamaica, supposedly there were these parties in the local areas where people could go and everyone was making money. They were like, the weed man was making money. The like random cigarette man was making money. The food guy, the this, the DJ, the people in the crowd, somewhere or another were locally exchanging money, right? Yeah. But these, the fear and these curfews and stuff really shut down even the local economy. And so they all of a sudden just went into this grinded halt. And a lot of people we're not paying taxes and we're not on the books. And it wasn't like in the U S where they were like, well, we'll find a way to help you. If you were just like contracting or you were on a whatever, 1099, they didn't do that there. So people were just fucked. And, uh, and then a bunch of places went out of business. A bunch of people uh, were unable to do what they were doing before because there's just no tourism. And so they were just recovering from that. And, I honestly felt like uh, horrible being there. Uh, I mean, I was <laughs> I was paying a shit ton of money to be there, but yeah. things were not really that great uh, with the food and various you know things. Like we went to a local spot; it was really great. Um, the food was amazing, but the resort we stayed at is owned by the people who own Miss Lily's in New York. So some people listening to this will know what I'm talking about, but. It's very, Miss Lily's is very, like, Jamaican vibe, really cool, very hip and trendy. Where is this in uh, Crown Heights? Where's Miss Lily's? It's actually in uh, the East Village. Okay, so not a Jamaican neighborhood. Yeah, there's a couple of them. I think there's two in Manhattan. Yeah, not a Jamaican neighborhood. Turns out it's owned by these Australian uh, dudes. Hell yeah. Yeah, so. Dude, this is how I feel about uh, some Mexican food restaurants, like taco spots in the city. That are where, where it's like there's what what's your story because like stories are so important yeah. for like <laughs> your fucking business like we're not just selling tacos we're selling like a narrative so like me and my bros went to like Baja and like we fucking surf there it's dope we go there all the time and like yo we ate the best fish tacos so anyway like uh we brought that recipe up here because no one else could do it. Just me and my fucking five white bros. Yes, exactly. So anyway, do you like my black flag burrito t-shirt that's got burritos instead of like the flags? Oh I my won't God. name a place, this but is it. yo, white white owned t- fucking taco places yes, can eat dicks. Dude, so the best part is we're at this place. <laughs> so they have two properties. The first night we stay at this one property and it's they have a Miss Lily's there, right? So I'm expecting it to be at least as good as the Miss Lily's here. We go there. It's more expensive than the one in New York somehow. It's shocking to me. Because people in Jamaica are living off like five bucks a day or less. So like, no Jamaicans are eating at the Miss Lily's. Fuck no, dude. And that's immediately alarming to me. I'm like, oh, shit. The people here are Jamaican, like, working here. And I'm eating 
what now? Like a fucking $22 plate of jerk chicken that's literally like three of my fingers worth of chicken. And like, it's not good somehow. And my head was exploding. I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me right now. Like I got swindled. I feel like then we stay at their other property the rock house, which is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Unbelievable built on volcanic rock and just like unfucking believable. And there's like a beautiful pool there. All that. The food there is just insanely like bad. And they supposedly had a sustainable garden. And I just picture these Australian dudes being like, we'll have a garden. We'll feed everyone with like the food from the garden. And so Amanda kept asking about the garden because they were like, we do garden tours. And every time we asked, they were like, uh, what day you leaving? And we were like, uh, Thursday morning. And they were like, oh, it's a pity. The garden <laughs> tour is on Friday. You know? and I'm like, yo, get the fuck out of here. And I kept telling her, like, stop fucking asking about the garden. There's no goddamn garden. <laughs> we go to the, one of their restaurants and literally they like charge us like $30 for this entree. And it was supposed to have local vegetables. And it had frozen bagged frozen vegetables and they weren't completely cooked so anyways the local spots were beautiful and delicious yeah and they make it kind of hard for you to really like go to those but it was what i learned from the people there that really broke my heart which was they were devastated by covid they still are there's classism it feels like company store vibes there where they, well, that's what a resort is yeah they have to like work there to make the money and then they're in contact with people who are just like confused about why the supply chain is mangled there yeah you're you're on a fucking island dude and this island was not doing so great in the first place and then it was devastated by covid like of course shit is gonna be fucked up here they're just yeah telling us the worst things like this nothing will ever be the same and the look in their eyes sincerely like devastated me like they had many of them um given up and been like this is it this is post-covid and this is the world we live in now and it fucking sucked man but it's also these expectations that people have that um you know going somewhere else for a vacation to another country like why why do you think it's going to be better there and reasons are advertising, which is all a lie, and a lack of understanding history. Like, all of these places were colonies, and they're still dealing with the uh, echoes of colonization. Yeah, the fallout of post-colonial... Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Or like that. Because they, these fucking bastard colonists left and stole everything of value <laughs> as they left. Yeah. They're like, fine, we're leaving. You got your wish, but we're <laughs> taking every resource with us and then setting up a fucked up system so that we can drain every other resource that's ongoing from your country. Like people in Jamaica aren't eating fucking amazing fruits because they're going to resorts to feed. Yeah. It, or they're, or they're being exported. Yeah, really um, exported though. They're barely at the resorts either. It's like they're going; they're straight up going to other countries. Yeah, I like you know you go to um, uh, uh, Colombia or um, Costa Rica, and both of these are some of the like biggest exporters of coffee beans in the world. And uh, but when you dr- but they drink Nescaf. Yep. So they're not drinking coffee made from the beans there. There's no like third wave. <laughs> they're drinking like, like dehydrated fucking. Yeah. Or like, you know, the biggest uh, trick the devil pulled on the Midwest is like, you know, the Midwest is like the breadbasket of the country and it's like all this fertile land and it's all just been given to wheat and corn. And Midwesterners just eat fucking frozen peas and like canned goods, right? So like you live in the breadbasket, but you eat garbage. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because it's been because of globalization. This is how <laughs> I described the show. And this is how it happened. Like, we started off, it's been a month um, of ships passing in the night. And then we both were talking about where we went and traveled. But in between, you learn about a TV show. You learn about some goddamn history. Uh, we kvetched a little bit about some bullshit. You find out what a Punisher is. I, I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. This is power packed, dude. This is like the most recent episode of Better Call Saul before tonight, where I was like, 
how much can you really cram into an hour of TV? My head exploded. This fucking podcast, I'm very proud of it. And I really think that if you just listen to all this, you learned a lot, man. Yeah, man. Well, uh, keep keep listening. And if you like this, uh, like I always say, take a screenshot of your phone uh, while you're listening to this and post it on IG stories and tag Gabe Pack one and Samir Mon so that we can also repost you. Uh, we love that. Leave us five stars on iTunes and um, leave us a review if you want to. We love that, too. We also have a Patreon, and the link to the Patreon. Patreon is just Halal Cartels. That's right. So patreon.com backslash Halal Cartels. And uh, we're starting a Discord. So once you join the Patreon, you can chat with us and other listeners on the Discord. All right, everybody. Thanks. Uh, we'll be back with another episode next week. Come to Funhouse Comedy this Wednesday at 10 p.m. We love you. Now, leading us out of the show, the groovy tunes of the one and only Brand Privilege, Serene Patel. All right, peace. Peace.